everyone, welcome back to the Devil's Advocates podcast. I'm JP. I'm joined by Jake and Andrew today. Um, Jake, I haven't seen you in a while, considering I missed a couple episodes and you missed an episode. How you been? They're not missed episodes. It's giving other members of the Devil Advocates group chances to flourish on our platform. Of course. Of That's course. right. That didn't answer my question, though. How, how have you been? Oh, no, I'm doing great. Oh, good. Uh, Good. Playing Baldur's Gate 3 and playing Baldur's Gate 3 and more Baldur's Gate 3. So Ignoring your children and wife and responsibilities for uh, video games? I wish. I wish. Uh. No. Uh, actually, <laughs> have to pay attention to them a little bit. More so like ignoring a bit of work and uh, squeezing in an hour during baby nap times when I can. Yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Um, Andrew, you kind of got the, uh, the idea for today's podcast, so... Uh, Feel yes. free to explain the background behind it. Sure, I'm going to jump into it, but I'm just going to preface with saying this is going to be slightly different from what we've been doing. It's going to be a little bit more, there's going to be a little bit more of an analytical approach to this. Um, Except me. R- sure. <laughs> um, so basically, I got all the stuff from Dom from The Athletic, his most recent um, articles that he put out. It's basically basically surrounding... Um, players' values based on salary ranges using his new, I guess, analytical model, you could say, uh, net rating. So what we're doing is where each player is tiered within, there's five different, there's one, two, three, four, five. Yes, there's five ranges, uh, five tiers for forwards and four tiers for defensemen. So it's franchise forward, top line forward, top six forward, top nine forward, and a fourth line forward. And then for defense, it's franchise top pair, top four, and third pair. So all these ranges are graded out by net rating, which is something I'll get into in a little bit. Um, like I said, salary, the salary range for each each tier, it ranges from high to low. So net rating is basically a system graded based off of offensive and defensive rating, and the, the league average player is just 0.0. So offensive rating is a weighted combination of goals, primary assists, secondary assists, individual expected goals, face-offs, penalties drawn, expected goals for, impact at 5 on 5, goals for, impact at 5 on 5, power play goal impact and usage. And then for defensive rating, it's a weighted combination of block shots, face-offs, penalties taken, expected goals against impact at 5 on 5, goals against impact at 5 on 5, penalty kill, impact and usage. So... Yeah, this is uh, super riveting stuff, but it will lead into our discussion surrounding the player evaluations and the gradings that <laughs> that were given. Um, okay, so net rating is also slightly different from game score value added, which is another one of Dom's models, but net rating is a little bit more advanced because GSVA slightly undersells the importance of a player's defense, the team's underlying ability impact, and it also oversells offense um, for teams that play at a higher pace, like the Devils. So for game score, it's more linear, which is it's just goals are weighted heavier, assists primary are worth more than secondary, shots, blocks, etc. Um, the short and sweet is, if you skip to that part and I don't blame you, is that net rating is better than GSVA because of the defensive value that you can grade more with net rating than you can with GSVA. Okay, now that that's done, the grading for each contract is based on a player's net rating. The contract value coincides with the rating, so like franchise, top line, or whatever, compared to their actual contract cost relative to today's salary cap, which is $83.5 million. Also, age and future salary cap estimates are taken into account during this exercise. ELCs and RFAs are ineligible for this exercise. So for Devils, in case of the Devils, Mercer, Luke, Holes, and Ball don't count. Um... Oh, yeah, one more. And then the plus EV percent probability is just the percent chance of the player actually hitting on their deal alongside with how much surplus value the contract gives the team. Cool. Um, that was a lot. That was a lot. Yeah. So for those of you that didn't close out of the podcast already. Thank you. Uh, essentially, it was how much value does a guy bring offensively? How much value does a guy bring defensively? Put that all together, weighted by averages across the NHL. Then compared that to their current contract, and how does it grade out? Cool. Yep. And the short and sweet, but it's using a more balanced um, weighted model than your average model. So basically, 
that rating is better than excuse me that rating is better than gsva because you can grade the defensive impact of a play more right um and then just for i guess the to bookend value across the league in the first place it's the panthers who have the best contract efficiency in the league mainly due to Matty chuck who which is probably not a surprise to anyone who's listening to this um who has plus 49 million dollars worth of value in his contract which, by the way, is insane considering he gets paid nine and a half million dollars. Yeah, I think that's just the testament to how dominant of a player he is. Right. Um, they do have other good contracts on their team, like Carter Verhage, Sam Bennett, uh, Sam Reinhardt, a bunch of other guys. But obviously, he brings up the he right. just puts him at the top. And then so last... question. Sure. Yep. Maybe I I zoned out during the explanation. I missed it. So that Maybe. surplus value is that. $49.7 million in surplus over the full seven years of that contract. Yes. Yeah. And so okay. that, that's divided. Um, I think he has like seven more years left on his contract. So like yeah. it's based. So it's like seven. So seven these gradings are, these gradings are more so about, I mean, obviously a little bit of how the team currently looks, but more so how the long-term structure of the team looks and grades out as right. opposed to just saying Florida has the absolute best contract structure purely for next season. Because they're getting just a ton of value on a seven-year deal out of so the Maddie. so the value and the grading for each player is based off of like how old they are, their net rating, and I think it takes in salary cap to an account. So like, Manny Kachuk. So like that's why I think ELCs are ineligible because someone like Dawson Mercer would be graded off of like I think JP said earlier like before we started recording he's worth like seven million dollars, so he's gonna be worth more than. The average player just because he's gonna have so much more value to so gotcha. much more value to this exercise okay. yeah i just want to establish that that value is over the life of that contract is the yep. prediction of the model that that's how much it would right be. and it would be and jack is jack is right there with him too yeah jack's not far off which is not super surprising and then in last place um is the chicago blackhawks because of seth jones's contract he brings a whopping negative $41 million worth of value to that team, which I think is kind of unfair because I don't think he's that bad. The contract looked really bad when the first when he first signed it, but he's actually been pretty serviceable ever since. Honestly, he's, the contract's slightly the overpaid. Contract... It's whatever, and it's yeah. Chicago who doesn't need a penny of that money for basically sure. the life of it. So really, it's it's a wash. I think. Right. Can't really sense for the uh, Chicago's like circumstance, doesn't really, like like you said, doesn't really matter because it's not going to affect them. Like if it was on the Devils, then it probably would because of how bad it is. But in this case, it doesn't really matter. Cool. Um, how are where do we want to start? Do you want to start? Uh, from the start it from the bottom. Start sure. it from, from the, the bottom. bottom. Now we're here. Okay. okay. We will start from the bottom. We'll go. Uh, we'll just do bottom bottom pairing D men first. So like I said at the top, the tiers are. Franchise forward, top line forward, top six forward, top nine forward, fourth line forward, franchise D-man, top pair D-man, top four D-man, and third pair D-man. So, in terms of third or bottom pair D-man, the Devils only have one, and this also should not come to surprise anybody. Um, it's Brennan Smith. He makes $1.1 million on one more year on his contract, and then the model values him out to about $0.8 million. So, I mean, again, it's negative three point it's negative point three million and it's great as a c plus it's not too much of a hindrance for the devils he's more of a six sixty seventy so yeah it's not too it, of a hindrance. It, he doesn't really matter all that much to be honest he doesn't bring yeah. a lot we don't expect him to bring a lot he doesn't get paid to reflect that yeah whatever yep um it's a variable contract you can send down to the ahl and not cost you a penny up here uh he's yep. a seventh d man who can fill in as a sixth in a pinch. He really is on the team to bring kind of a, uh, to throw fists and be slightly physical. Uh, not that he's the absolute best in the league by that, by any means, but actually defensively, he's he's not terrible, but he's no. fairly offensively a black hole. So, yeah. I mean, for a seventh D-man, you're paying just over a mil on a guy that you can also bury if you need to. That's fine like it's fine yeah. I, I don't see an issue with it he also i think was more so even brought in just to be a fun uh veteran in the room for the guys I'm which by all accounts by all accounts he is so yeah, yeah I, I mean no issues 1.1 1. 1 mil whatever yeah not really much to say on that to be honest 
Nope. And then we'll move up to, we'll just go bottom pair, we'll go to the fourth liners um, on the, for the forwards. There are three devils in here. Again, not too much of a discrepancy between their AAP and the model value. So it's Michael McLeod, Thomas Nosek, and Curtis Lazar. Um, they're all kind of graded out around that 900K to 800K model value. McLeod making 1.4 on his new deal, and then Nosek and Lazar at 1 million. All graded as a C plus. Kind of the same thing here. Um, as four finders, you're kind of just asking to not be overpaid and too much of a hindrance to your team. And then they're, they're all kind of graded out. Like, I mean, they're all graded out below average, but for what they bring to the table, like, it's not too much of a, a hindrance for what they bring. Um, here's one where I kind of disagree with the model. Um, not so much Nosick and Lazar. I don't really care about either of those contracts. Um, but McLeod, I feel like having him you know, right. under, or like overvalued in the model is very surprising to me, especially considering the athletics market value model has him at, I think it's 1.6. Right. And it, the, his defensive impact, I'm surprised doesn't bring him up a little bit here, considering how good yeah. of a defensive forward he is. And you'll also notice that Nate Bastion is not in the fourth liner section. He's actually one spot higher, which is kind of surprising, but it's not because I think Nate brings a lot to the table, much like McLeod. It's just more so surprising that. Mikey's not there with him, too. Well, I mean, Bastion's impacts are without a doubt better than McLeod's. But, you know, I feel like McLeod's usage in and of itself kind of inherits more of a payday than the model is saying that he deserves. Sure, I agree with that. Yeah, and if I remember the inputs that are for it, I mean, even just what uh, Nate getting some top power play time and some top power play production in there is going to boost him, where... The little niche that Mikey fills in with being a top three in the league face-off guy. Which is also part of the offensive rating, so that's kind of... Is put in there, so... It is in there. I'm sure it's not valued. I'm sure it's not obviously valued very highly, uh, but at least it's factored in, which is good. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely disagree that Mikey is undervalued at 1.4. Yeah, I think if anything, it's just... That's what his contract is, and then he's valued at 0.9. Oh, 0.9, yeah, so... Yeah. I, I disagree with that, right? I think at 1.4 is fairly fair value. If yeah. anything, if you want to argue that if we could have gotten him at like 1.5 and then an extra year on there, if you want to, you know, nitpick his contract uh, in that way, it, just paying him just slightly more and maybe getting an extra year would have been more preferred. Um, I don't know if it's going to end up mattering here in a month or so exactly. anyway, but yeah, no. Uh, Mikey's pretty great, uh, like you said. Uh, no second Lazar pretty much washes. Uh, you know, you're yeah. talking uh, what a couple, a couple hundred grand uh, yeah, for it's either 200, of them. It's, as far it's as value. 200k of difference. Yeah. Again, these guys were really what both of them were brought in as McLeod insurance. If he is not here next season, as just a one of these two guys will probably fill in fairly nicely. And if not, uh, I was actually talking about this earlier with people. I, I really only see our fourth line being obvious upgrades if mikey's not here as far as like trade deadline acquisitions go yeah so you know a, a lazar and a nosek is not gonna uh, sink you in that fourth line role especially not both of them being paid one mil which is but, all you're really asking for in terms of a fourth liner you don't want them to go out there and get you killed and the devils in the past couple of years have not had that because nate and mikey are above average fourth liners so exactly yeah, yeah. even miles wood to an extent was an above average fourth liner. sure whatever you'll say about him um definitely well he was definitely an above average fourth liner yeah i mean he he was third line but fourth line for sure for sure okay um let's do top nine forwards and then we can get back to the demon so for the top nine forwards these guys are graded out between 2.2 million dollars worth of value up to 3.3 and there's there's three guys here one of which i mentioned before nate bastion who comes in at valued at 2.3 million and then two guys at 2.8 million one being eric hollow who just signed a new I think it was three-year deal, and then Andre Palat, who also comes in at 2.8 million with a contract grading of D, which is the worst on team. I think it was about 12 million dollars negative worth of value. Um, definitely the point of contention across all of the entire fan base, especially when I was first signed last year. I don't think anyone was kind of expecting that type of contract to be given out, especially before we made that type of run. It was kind of surprising in terms of him choosing us and us going out there and giving him that deal. I didn't expect that at all. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, why don't we why don't we knock out the other two before we kind of deep dive Andre Pilat here? Um, yeah. 
Bastion, obviously, like we just kind of said, he's he's a very, very, very good fourth liner, um, and his market value reflects that. Um, arguably, he should be paid more. I'm fine with his contract as is. Um, Hala kind of surprises me being overvalued. I I don't want to say I disagree with it, um, but I feel like his market value is more fair than it is an overpayment currently mm-hmm. um but yeah I, i'm I'm not going to complain about either of those no especially nate he has well right. nate's great at nate, nate's great at a b and then hall is a c plus so it's basically about main average i mean bastion he is plus 900k so he's worth way he's worth more than he was making which is always a good thing in terms of surplus value and getting more value for your buck in the situation yeah. um plays pk can play in the power play we've seen in the past he has really good hands for a big guy um, good defensively on the PK, like I mentioned. I mean, just also seeing like it's not this is obviously not factored into the rating, but he's just a really good locker room guy. Like he's really respected in the locker room, yeah. Which I think brings up more for his value, which obviously isn't calculated to here. But I don't know. I like Nate. I kind of was sour on him to start when he first came in, and then I, he kind of grew on me just because he kind of rounded his game out a little bit more than I expected him to. Uh, so I think it's pretty known I'm a big Nate Bastion fan, always was. Um, I actually don't think uh, I would have. So his model value had him at 2.3. Yep. I would not have been happy getting him at 2.3. Uh, yeah. 1.4, I think, is a pretty nice sweet spot. Uh, 2.3. 1.7, like my armchair GMs or whatever I did. So I, I'm happy to hear we're getting value out of him there. But 1.4, I you know, up to like 1.6-ish. I probably would have been comfortable with, you know, you're just kind of penny pinching at that point, but the extra year, the two years makes it really nice in my opinion. Yeah. Even if it's walking him to the UFA, but yeah, I think it's a pretty good contract. Uh, It's right where you kind of want a top of the top fourth liner to be paid. Like if, if he was a bottom barrel fourth liner, you want it a little bit less kind of in that mill range. Uh, But considering I think he is one of the best fourth line wingers out there. Uh, 1.4 was pretty nice, uh, but could he have gotten more on the open market? Maybe. I don't think I don't so. think it would have been much. I don't yeah. think it would have been much more. So I'm Maybe glad the mo- I'm glad the model point. shows the value he's bringing there. But I think it, I think he he's a fair contract. Um, I don't. I'm trying not to get too much into how the model values and how much surplus value the guys are bringing. I'm more so looking at it as what is their contract with us, and just do I think it fair value did i think we got them on a discount or do i think we or are we overpaying them on that contract for whatever reason right, so right. with with nate i think we nailed it right on the dot i think we are getting surplus value out of him at 1.4 mil but i wouldn't have wanted to pay him much more than that anyway if that yeah i think that's to i mean to me like i'm kind of in the same sphere there um to me it's just a, like a usage thing um he's a fourth liner He'll, yep. he'll always be a fourth liner on this team, and therefore he shouldn't get paid more. If he Perfect. was on a third line role, I could see the argument for like 2 mil, 2.1, but he's not. Yeah. Also, just to touch on, just I guess to wrap up Nate and to get into Hall a little bit, these are the guys that you can get hurt with, especially you've seen it with Vegas. Like they just won their cup and they're paying all their, they're paying all their guys. Like they gave Barbershop that $6 million deal. <laughs> it was like 5 million over six years or whatever it was those are the contracts you don't want to burn yourself with. Like you do want to penny pinch in a sense. Like if you're paying Nate, like again, to the coins of the model, it'd be good value. If you're paying him like 1.8 to two, it's like, you can save that extra 600 K and then upgrade on a guy like Colin Miller, for example, and like get someone who's making a little bit more. Like these are the areas where you don't want to like overstretch your hand. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. As far as hollow goes, I think for what he brings, 3.2 is going to be fine for the next season, probably the one after. It's probably going to not feel so great the last year of that contract. The, but cap, from, like the cap's going to go up. He might slide down like a line. With the cap going up, and I believe the way it's structured out, it's really not going to be very detrimental at all. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of those, I think, we will have a surplus value on it next year. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll probably bring more than $3.2 million in uh, value for the team. Year after, it's probably going to be fair. They'll probably be right at that 3.2. And then by that third year is where arguably, again, you know, it'll be a slight overpay, quote unquote, 
for what he's bringing in that third year, but factor in everything else, it's so negligible that I'm completely fine with the deal. I probably yeah. would prefer him on a two year, but then you're probably bumping up that AAV on the first two. 3.75, 3.8. And I rather would have saved the money on these next two right. years and paid out and be a little bit feeling it a little bit more in that third year, which it's not even going to be that bad. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I can structure nice. Right. Yeah, it's something you want to be doing when you're in your contention years. You want to you give them the extra year to save that extra little bit of money, like with Nate or whoever. You want to save the extra 400, 500K mm-hmm. to bring in that trade deadline acquisition. Right. Okay. And then the there one. is Andre Pilat. I mm-hmm. have been so vocally against this contract since the moment that he signed it um, for so many reasons. First off, I was kind of pissed at Tom for like, I don't want to say being salty that he didn't get Gaudreau, but kind of making a reactionary signing and pivoting to Palat because he didn't get Gaudreau. Um, and then overpaying him. He He's not a $6 million player. I don't care what playoff goal he scored in game seven of the first round against the Rangers. I don't really care. He's not a $6 million player. Well, he didn't score, but he assisted. Sure. Same difference. He did all the work. <laughs> Right. I still don't care. He is I like think... max to me, four million, four and a half million. Sure. Again, the so just to reiterate, so the contract, his contract is six million dollars for I think four more years, and currently the model value is at two point eight million. Again, he did have that groin injury at the beginning of the season, so who really knows if he was actually fully healthy across the entire landscape of this season? I mean. You say it doesn't really matter, but it kind of does. He did show up in a big way in the playoffs. It it, it does matter to an extent. Um, for this, like again, like for me, I'm much like you. Where, like I'm super into analytics. I mean, obviously we did. We have this whole show, which is centered around net rating and all this other stuff. Like I don't care. He he made me the happiest as a Devils fan in the past 11 years. That shift made he sunk Ryder, Fox saucing it over. Saucing over Fox, the crowd went crazy. He's jumped in. Like, I don't care. This is one of the situations where it's like, I, I just don't. You, I mean, you could be like Andre Plotz making seven million. Cool. Game seven, hero, playoff win finally. You know. All right, so I'm gonna jump in. So I agree and disagree with both of you. Uh, yeah. I think both of you kind of know generally where I stand on this. Uh, so I'm going to hit a couple points here, and we're going to kind of circle back on these, I'm sure, as we're going to really talk this one out, because I think this is probably the contract where we all at least this disagree is the whole, with this the was, most. This is the whole like premise behind the show. It's like, to have this discussion. Yeah, because every basically every contract from here on out, we're almost all going to agree we're, are either value or steals, essentially. Right, so this is the, this is yeah. the fun one. And all right, so, yeah. all right, I don't even know where I want to start, so I'm going to end up circling around on a lot of things here. So JP, uh, so from the from the jump, I'll give my initial take on this six mil uh, contract with Palat. Uh, in a vacuum, the production Palat brings and is going to bring in the regular season is not six million. It's just generally, it's just not. So if you are evaluating a guy from the purely regular season production and what he is bringing in an overall impact on the ice you probably could find a better usage of the money um, where JP is saying you probably would pay him 4.5 at most for what he does bring given his age and the term of the contract. So you're talking a $1.5 million overpay that you're taking the biggest issue with on this. Right. So when you're talking 1.5 mil, you know, that's, you throw that on top of another contract you're potentially upgrading from, say, a Colin Miller at 1.9, you know, have 3.4 million to spend. And you're getting a much better bottom pair defenseman to bring in there to round out the defense better than Colin Miller would have. Is a, is where you're, why you have such an issue with it, right? It's not just, you don't hate Palat and what he brings. You right. hate Palat at being paid 1.5 million more than what you think he should because of because of the roadblock it presents like with other discussions right. we've had this offseason not I just on the podcast. want to make yeah. sure we have a baseline yeah. for where no we all... I, yeah, exactly. just just to be very clear i don't hate Pilat. i don't hate Pilat as a player i hate Pilat at six million for the next five years 
or four five. years. Four years. Yes. Right. So that's my regular season. I don't think he's worth that money. Now, I'm definitely not a, oh, they bring it in the playoffs for the most part kind of guy. But, but when you have a track record like he does. does, there is a very clear, very clear track record. I'm going to throw this part in. And if you double check me on this, I'm pretty sure I'm right. But I maybe missed a player that just wasn't thinking. Do you know who brought the most points per 60 in the playoffs for our across, across the entire league? Or, or, oh. No, just the Devils. Just points per 60 for the Devils in the playoffs this season. I mean, I, mean, I assume that the answer is Palat. Incorrect. It was Jack. Jack's a beast. Oh, well, really? You know who number two was? Pally. Palat. Yeah. Again, that's a whole thing. Sure, like, Hollow wasn't far behind either. Yeah, so Hala, Hala was I my I, Carolina series. I think Hala might have come in at three. Those were the three guys I extra checked because of right. just ice time and point production. Right. Uh, you know, Nico uh, had a ton of ice, so he had, and, but he didn't have a ton of production, but he just had a lot more ice than Hala and Palat. Uh, Dougie had like no points, even if he had pretty decent impacts, type of stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, the only two guys that were over two points per sixty were Jack and Palat. So, yeah. if you want to say um, he's going to be a overall cap casualty detriment in the regular season, I would argue he more than makes up that difference come playoff time. And where maybe we you wouldn't have thought this when he first signed that contract, where we needed every penny potentially to upgrade this roster to become a playoff team because at that time we just weren't. Where I would say... Yeah, I mean, we just saw it. Palat was out an entire season, essentially, right? We were still a playoff team without him. Now with a full year of him, a full year of Timo, Toffoli coming in, all of that, I would say mm -hmm. it is, we all agree, we are a lock to make playoffs, as lock as any right. team really can be. For sure. So yep. I don't think we need that $1.5 to make a small upgrade on our, where, wherever you want to do it, because I don't think you're really using that $1.5 in the top six anywhere. Mm, well, there's one obvious spot. The uh, I, maybe, maybe. I think Toffoli for value wise, you're getting a lot more, and we'll get into Toffoli, but you're getting a lot yeah. of value there. And then between Holtz and Mercer, those are ELCs. So again, you're talking almost infinite value ELC. But right, exactly. so that's that's kind of my issue with it, though. It's not it's not that he's getting six million dollars this year. It's that he's getting six million dollars for the next few years. And that's like Luke and Simon. Right, exactly. And contracts. Yeah. Right, so they're going to need new contracts. And, you know, if, if the difference between locking Mercer up for seven years versus four years is one and a half million dollars, which it very well could be because that's a lot of money per year, I would rather lock up Mercer for seven years at one and a half million dollars more than he would get paid for four years. I mean, yeah. And that's a legitimate roadblock that we might end up having with Palat. With, with the so, so I don't think it's much of a roadblock outside of being... I think the roadblock is this year and maybe next, and that's it. I don't even because think it's really too much there. I mean, I don't uh, think it's again, this year. I think, it, if I, anything, it would be next year. I think Palat continues to bring $6 million plus worth of value. Um, the full calendar year. Easily, yeah. Uh, yeah. But specifically in playoffs where I really think it matters, I think, again, yeah. he's not a $6 million regular season producer. He just isn't. Um, he's a luxury at this point, which is... The, is one other expensive. thing to keep in mind also is, I'm double-checking it, but the structure of the contract does lend itself to be uh, both movable, uh, especially movable, like, especially movable, uh, but also uh, if... If he really plummeted in those, say, age 35, 36 seasons, which I agree. I I would not basically sign anyone uh, on this team to, you know, age 35, 36 seasons. Right. And we have a couple of them. I'm with you there. Uh, but if you wanted to truly maximize, again, this immediate window, you're talking Holtz ELC, Luke ELC, Nemec ELC, Mercer's last year of his ELC, and when we still have uh, Nico on his banger contract, and then I don't even really need to talk... Uh, Jack, Brat, Timo here because they're very long-term. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking that immediate, let's say, two, three-year window where I think Palat still is going to bring that value in playoffs at minimum, he is worth that money, and he is better 
paid now, kind of like we were talking about with Hollow. You're not as worried about it on the back end because he's going to bring it in the first two years. Yep. Not the same extent. Again, I don't like signing guys in their 35, 36-year seasons. But if it took that to get Palat for his these next three years, where I think he is an amazing asset to have, again, that Game 7 winning goal play, that was all him. We had to pay him $6 million because he just adopted two children during that game. <laughs> he has money he has to pay to take care of Fox and Kreider. That he has two new sons, and that's it, that's expensive. I have two kids. I understand. So I, mean, I think I think on the call too, even like Ray Ferraro uh, mentioned that he was like he had a struggle of a year, but like this is why he, that's why you signed him. I mean, like it's so cliche, and you know I hate being like this. It's like he's a hockey like it, I just, he's a hockey guy. He's a hockey like the hard as nails. You, look, you can look at me, you can look at the advanced stats too. I mean, like, on the surface, it's not great, but, like, the micro stats, like, and who, who he's going to play with, it's, like, Paula and Holtz. Like, it's kind of, like, it kind of works, and it's a bit of a mismatch too. If you give him a full... I also, I also don't put... Now, there's obviously exceptions. Matty T is just on another level, but usually, first year with a new team, guys, especially, I would say, coming into a system like ours, which I've said it before, apparently is run very differently than almost anything... Yeah. Anyone else alluded, does in the league? It's alluded to that too. So, yeah. like sometimes you can jump to a team, and you know these systems generally aren't too different across NHL teams, and even just coming up through playing in your career. Apparently, what we run is just very different, and it does take guys time to adjust to that. Uh, right. So, especially the full healthy season, like he's being didn't have the full healthy season, had just a very awkward thing. I see. What you, so, I see what you can have, but like it is a valid point. To, all of that. We're, we're both correct in different circumstances. Even with all that, I still don't think he's a six million regular season guy. I just don't. No, I mean, no, he's not. But, like, I think I I just don't see that. I don't view this contract as a um, an anchor that is preventing this team from reaching the potential that it has. Like, this isn't thing... this isn't Truba at whatever he is, eight, nine million eight, or eight and, eight, half. eight and a half. Like, it's not that. It's not uh, what's another absolutely bonkers one that's terrible. I mean, Seth, Seth Jones, Jones right? Nick Suzuki? Yeah, probably At not. 7.9? Yeah, it's probably a, a, a bit of an overpay. Because um, I don't put too much stock into paying these guys, but let me put it this way. If Palat was the same production that he brought in regular season, but he had his two cups and we brought him in for that, it would it would hurt a lot more. But when you put in that the guy truly does just produce at a better rate in playoffs, consistently all the time uh, it's i mean it's you're actually you hear crazy all the how much guys like stem coast is like yeah the dude's a warrior like on his like return to tampa videos like him kutrov headman they're all like talking glowingly about him like it means something even on the, on the surface if it's like he doesn't bring it like consistently like production wise like it means the something. Young, like the aura and, like it's important to have around the team it, it just is we did hear from the young guys that he has been a big influence yes. in the room with keeping yes, exactly. them mentally ready in there yeah but, I mean, again so Again, does Eric I don't think that and Brendan Smith. Mm, they're not, yeah, not, they're the not, not, not the same. Not the same. Absolutely not the same. Absolutely not the same. Same way that these kids viewed Lindy as, but Lindy doesn't have a cup either. But just as a veteran guy that came in, that has all this wealth of experience that he can all call back on and help them in almost every situation. Palat having the two cups just adds weight to what he says, especially in playoffs, compared to even a Hala. Uh, I would say even, uh, I mean, at this point, you know, we brought into Foley that has his one cup, mm-hmm. but it's it a so bit different. Yeah. It was a while ago, and he wasn't the driver um, right. for a team like that, where Palat was part of the, the force. Now, he wasn't the Kucherov or the Stamkos or the Point or the Headman or the Vasilevsky on that team. But he was the next guy, the so was that, number he's six, the, number seven? All I'm saying is Tampa lost in the first round without Palat. And we didn't lose in the first round with Paul. Who's to say who's the most important the analytics and stats? Bear it out, write that in there. So I have I have two more points. Um sure. and the first one is on his injury. Yes, I'm sure his injury played a factor in his lack of regular season production. But his impacts have been pretty much the same throughout his entire career. He's always been a like a 75% war guy, 75% offense, 75% defense. That hasn't changed. 
Sure. Even when he came back from injury, his I mean I mean I think his his impacts increased a little bit, if I remember correctly. Um, but you know you kind of already touched on that in saying that regular season he's not a six million dollar player. He's not. Um, the other the other problem that I have is Palat found all of his playoff success playing next to Stamkos, Kucherov, Point. No doubt that he was, you know, the the driving force behind a lot of that. And he, you know, on an individual level, he was a playoff stud, is still probably a playoff stud. But he'll be getting third-line minutes here. And even playoff Palat, who is, I would agree, is a $6 million player, in a third-line role, getting third-line time on ice, I don't think he has the same value. Sure. Uh, so... I don't disagree that having six mil in the third line is ideal, but I also think we are set up quite a bit differently than your traditional third line. I mean, I, yeah. The top lines are very fluid. I also think, again, the structuring that Tom has done on this team with the contracts allows that $6 million to sit on a third line when you have ELCs that'll be in your top six. And not just there because you need someone on ELC to make the cap work, but just guys that are good enough to be there. Mercer at minimum, Holtz at best type situations. Uh, also, kind of what I was touching on before with um, the end of Palat's deal being at worst buyoutable in that final year. Uh, at best, very movable because of the money. He did all, all of his signing bonuses were up front. Uh, I think the last two or even three years of that contract is no signing bonuses. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just the last year, but it's only $1 million in the second to last. Uh, that's also when the modified no trade kicks in in those last two years, as opposed to the full uh, no movement uh, for this year and next year. Yeah, this year and next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the base salary, again, also is under that $6 million. So, again, I don't think at thirty-five, thirty-six. It is ideal to have Palat at six million at that on point, a third you line. Also, probably like convince him to waive his you no know, trade to go back to Tampa and retire there. Like attach. Yeah, like a, that's attach kind of what I'm getting at. Is right? potentially yeah. that cap jump wise, he's obviously going to be percentaged a lot less. But I think this is very different than the other guys with the cap jump. Six million is still a chunk, regardless. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't think he's going to be. I mean, if he still play off Palat at ages 35 and 36, <laughs> you know, absolutely bless the man. Um, I mean, the other meme I always say is, you know, I'm not going to argue about paying a future Hockey Hall of Fame uh, six-time Stanley Cup champion $6 million. So, uh, and it's a little bit more on just the structuring. His deal ends when Nico's ends. So any sort of pay bump Nico's going to get, who is already undervalued at, and we'll get into him at the 7.25, we'll have excess value there with him. Andre Palat drops off. All that money could then go to Nico. It could go to John Marino's replacement come that time. I think that's um, when Nemitz's ELC will end too. Uh, maybe a year at four years, right? Well, so he it kind of depends on if he doesn't play this year, it'll slide, and then yes, right. it lines up perfectly. Right. Uh, which I do think management might factor in to how much ice Nemec actually sees. Right, and Tom will do that today, too. On, he was on Chicklets today for time of listening. Um, he said that, like, he doesn't need him to join the team. It's a matter of, it's kind of like Mercer, like, he forces away on the team, which Brad did years back. I don't expect him to, because I think Kyle Miller's more than good enough to play yeah. that third I wanna, level. It just kind of works out. I kind of want to wrap up a bit on plot because I think we've touched on yeah. kind of our main for points sure. here. Uh, but at the end of the day... I think we all agree he's not a six million regular season player. I think we agree at least last season for sure, probably this season coming up, and then maybe we'll start trailing off from there. But he's probably six million in playoffs at least. Is that best utilized on the third line? No, but we're stacked enough up front with guys that are on such sweetheart deals that the quote unquote one point five million that he's overpaid, as we're going to get into, is more than made up for yeah. in other yeah, contracts. For sure. One caveat I'll throw on that. You shouldn't excuse one contract being overpaid because you underpaid other guys. You should want all steal of contracts as as a manager, at least. Mm -hmm. But all those other contracts obviously 
cushion that regular season blow of Palat's contract a little bit. And I don't know. I personally, would I have take, preferred him at like 5.5? I think I would have felt 5.25. I would have felt a lot better about it. Uh, or or 6, even, you know, eh, I was going to say 6.2, but 6 is already kind of capping it out for me. If he would have taken a year, especially two less, yeah, that would have been spot on perfect for me. No, my big issue is definitely with term. It, it's on it's it's on the edges um, a little bit for his. The term is definitely the worst part. I'll agree. Again, 35, 36 seasons to me are rough, 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 yeah. rough. But yeah, especially okay. for someone of his play style. But right. we'll see. It's right. we'll see how it ages. Uh, again, right. that game seven play alone was worth every penny of that contract. Yeah. Exactly. Um, a lot if you need help taking care of the two kids let us know <laughs> <laughs> okay then let's move on to top four demon um so this is ranked from three million dollars worth to 4.4 and we have got three guys in here uh siegenthal marino and miller siegenthal are valued at four million marino 3.9 and then miller 2.6 uh miller graded at a b minus marino c plus and siegenthal b um kind of another area where you don't really want to over overshoot your your luck here i mean they all kind of do the same thing. They're all kind of defense first guys. Colin Miller being probably the most most offensively inclined. He was pretty good offensively on Vegas back in the day when he first, when they first came onto the scene. Um, again, these are your kind of your like league average to slightly above league average guys. And for for like top four D men, like I mean, they're fine. Yeah, I, I have no problem with any of the contracts. Um, I think Siegenthaler is a steal. I think the model kind of underrates his defensive impact a little bit. Um, and then Marino, you know, if he can unlock that offensive gear that he probably has given his micro stats, yeah. then it's going to actually be a steal at, what is it, 4.4. Um, and then Miller, you know, third pair, bottom, bottom pair defenseman. I don't really care about his contract. He's a good right. defenseman the net, for his... The Nimitz top gap and its yeah. plus value, so it's good enough right. for me. Yeah. And just to clarify, Stephen Dollar's 3.4, not 3 million, sorry. Right. But still, plus value. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, agreed. Sieg's deal is an absolute steal. He even said it. He probably left money on the table because he wants to be here. Uh, yeah. Love him forever for that. Yeah, so can't score the puck, so that's why he didn't make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah defensive defensemen aren't going to get paid right, a lot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But still, even still. Um, I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. Even if he falls off slightly, 3.4 is, he's going to bring that value. He's only 26. This, uh, contract is going to take him, uh, to 31, 26, 27, 28, no, 30. Yeah, this is, this 30. is the first year of his contract. Yeah. He'll be 30 at the end of his last season. Uh, yeah. May birthday. No, see, Marino. Marino, yep. same thing. Contract's going to, oh, they're both May birthdays. Look at that. Marino is going to take him to 30 as well. Um, again, 4.4, a right-handed defenseman. That's just an absolute, you can say what you want about, is he like one of the best defensive defensemen in the league? Did he have a stretch of that? Yes. Did he do that the entire season? Not as much as some Devils fans probably want to think he did. Right, sure. But he definitely had a stretch where he did. Uh, I will say, uh, now there is slight bias here because I don't watch every single hockey game or every highlight out there. But I do think Marino might honestly be one of the best odd man break defenders in the league. No, he is. I his micro stats card is unbelievable. Yeah. He's like in the 90th percentile for like, like any two on one like, defense. Yeah, yeah, especially like two on ones. Um, he just seems to lock them down no matter what. Just yeah. I mean, I, I alluded to it in the last show when I brought him up and I drafted him as my second pairing right hand demon. I mean, game seven against the Rangers, ten seconds in, he breaks up a two on one. Yeah, yeah. If he and who knows how that, who knows how that series ends exactly. if that doesn't happen. Uh, Colin exactly. Miller, uh, it's fine. Yeah, um, it's he's fine. He was brought in to just kind of fill out the right side if Nemec isn't ready. Uh, I also think it was sneaky good that if Nemec does force his way onto the team, Colin Miller actually has experience playing his offside with Heiskanen, and Heiskanen is also one of those super young, stud, offensively gifted um, guys that. Colin Miller played extensively with and did quite well yeah, with. Yeah. So I actually I've talked about before. I think Miller would pair very nicely with Nemec. Uh, but I also think you know he's another right hand, uh, right defenseman. Plays on that third line. One point eight, one point eight five for one year left. Completely fine. It's it's fair value probably at the least. 
and at least is a stopgap for for Nemich to make the team, if not late this year, early this year, at worst next year, because you know I highly doubt Miller's back after this. So yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Okay. And then we can jump back up to the forwards for top six fo- top six forwards. This is kind of where you get into your league average is slightly above league average forwards. And we got one guy here. It's Tyler Toffoli, steal of the summer, value at six million dollars, contract AAV at around four point three, grade as a B. Uh, I feel like this is kind of in line with him. With other sites that you would look at, he might be graded a lot higher because of how dominant he is in terms of GAR and WAR and all those other um, analytical scales. But in terms of the system, he's kind of just right in the middle of $6 million with the value. Um, I mean, I think he's going to slot in seamlessly in our top six. He's kind of, in the way that Miller kind of fills out our bottom six on defense, I think to fully fills out our top six, like, very, very nicely. Yeah, I mean, going strictly off of last year in, like, in a vacuum, he is worth twice his contract, easily. Yeah. He was the yeah, best flame by far. Yeah. yeah, no, he was, like, in terms of goals above replacement, he was above Jack last year um i I mean just complete two-way dominance so if if you know if he continues that pace next year then that's the second best contract on our team yeah yeah because of how low the aav is because he's he's got one year left and maybe he stays maybe he doesn't that's really yeah yeah uh current deal it's a steal uh we all know this uh you know don't even bring in what we gave up to get him, which made it even more of a steal. Just talking Easy purely money. what we're paying him uh, yeah. for what he's going to bring on the ice, 4.25. Yeah, all day. All day, every day. Thank you. Give me it twice on Sundays. Yep. Uh, as far as bringing him back, I it, eh. I think that's going to be a little rougher. It's got to be like what you alluded to, like, to the plot situation. It's got to be like two years, like 6.2 minimum. I, one, I don't think he takes that at all. Ever. Well, that's the thing, exactly. Like you, again, I, I think the only way the only way it works is Fitz breaks out that PowerPoint presentation and just crushes it. <laughs> in general. Fairly talking this year to Foley is well more than worth that 4.25. Yeah. Fills in yeah. a need we absolutely needed. Yep. I would definitely, I'd be paying him. Uh, I Obviously, the ideal I scenario would be he's going to get like seven. Flip him and Palat's contracts, and it's like, mwah, right? Uh, but, exactly. And then you have no issues. So if I told you you had Andre Palat and Tyler Toffoli this year, I combined 10.25, you'd be like, yeah, no, that sounds good. Andre sure. Yeah. In, in a vacuum. Yeah. In a vacuum. It'd right, be fine. Sure. Okay. That's not, I'm not saying that's a steal with those two combined. The situation where I'm just saying that that's... value comes in handy and helps mitigate the pain. If, if the contracts were reversed, I would be absolutely okay with both of them. Oh, yeah, well... Uh, yeah, but they're not. So I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, so if, if even if they were reverse, I probably would still be like, oh, that last year the Toffoli deal might hurt a little bit. Yeah, probably, yeah. But yeah, he, he plays a heavier yeah. game too. Okay. Um, and then we will wrap up the defensive side. It's one guy left, uh, top pair D man. These are your upper echelon D man, graded from five point two million to seven point five million. There's kind of a bit of a Extension onto that, uh, Dougie grades out at $8.7 million worth of value at a grade of C+. Obviously, he's making $9 million. Um, I think this is he's worth less on this um, on this model for Dom because of the defensive impact. I mean, obviously, everyone knows Dougie's forte is not defense, and that's not why we brought him in here. It's to move up on the back end, score goals, quarterback the power, <laughs> quarterback the power play. Um, again, the model says negative 300k worth of value. Yeah, um, if if it's negative three hundred k, then who cares? Um, right. Dom's other model has his market value, and I think it's ten point three. Right, because the the contract cards that he used prior to this more graded out with GSVA, which right. obviously is graded higher to goal score and all that. Right. Um, yeah. but you know his impacts the past two years have been kind of meh. Last year they were just bad straight up. This year well, they I... were good, not great. Um, but when you're putting up seventy five points, who cares? Who gives a shit? Yeah. That's a cold shot back in the day. doesn't matter. Don't care. Yeah. Goals. Or like Patrick Laine. His impacts yeah. are god-awful, and the dude scores 30 goals every year. Yeah. Goals go burr. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton contract, I think, is basically right at market value for what you're going to get him. Yeah. He did pay a bit of a free agency tax to land him. Uh, he's a bona fide 1D, right D. Those cost money. Um, he is signed... For his uh, age 35 season. Right. But 
which Dougie is why is... It comes, which is why it comes in so low. Sorry, to interrupt. Yeah. That's why it comes in so low because of the age curve and all that that's backed into this. Yes. So for this, so, like an A. If I remember correctly, there's essentially one comparable for Dougie on an age curve, just for uh, skill set uh, and everything. Uh, no, Brett Burns was, I believe, the <laughs> age curve comparable for Dougie because there was just not that many. And I think Hedman maybe was like a secondary comparable. When you're talking someone that is that big but doesn't play that physical uh, but yes. puts up big offensive numbers, those yep. were the guys. And if those are your comparables, those are two guys, especially Burns, who just seem Aged ageless. Well. Yeah. Just ageless. So maybe a slight bit of copium here, but I do think Dougie ages out very well. If you want to even copium that further... I think he ages out much better than the other two because Burns and Hedman still have to do all the heavy lifting, really, for their teams. Dougie's got two young, bona fide studs coming up with Ooh, that's Luke and Nemeth. Yeah. And that's going to help Dougie just not have as much wear and tear on him. And again, you know, does 9 million feel great on your second pair? Maybe not. Right. That's but kind of will he still, does he still bring. Uh, the equivalent cap hit percentage of value from there, uh, probably a, a little less because at that point he's probably not getting power play one time, right? But do I just kind of one last point, and I yeah. uh, this is kind of circling back to Palat. You're getting his potential. I mean, last year was like one of his best years, not necessarily impact wise, but production wise. Yeah, you're probably looking at getting that again these next two, maybe three seasons. Yeah, and if you look at Aging Kurt, we're probably, you know, you're talking Timo, Nico, Jack, probably in their best years these next, you know, between last year and these next couple of years. So mm -hmm. if you want to talk about our window is huge, but if you want to talk about the our best position contract wise window and age curve, it's probably these next two to three. Yep. Yeah, for sure. If you look at how teams win the cup, we'll probably have our best seasons these next two to three years. When you look back and at then win the cup the year after. This time. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that's, again, you sometimes eat the back end of a contract to get those really good upfront years. Not every deal is a Jack Hughes deal. Right. That's why that's why staying away from free agency tends to lend better right. to teams than not. And just to touch on Burns and Hedman, just because topic of discussion, and then we can wrap up defensemen. Burns is worth about seven point six million dollars according to the according to this model. And then Hedman was about seven point five. So Hedman's already in the negative. And then Burns obviously he's worth he has surplus value because he's on such a good deal for Caroline because yep. of that retention from San Jose. Right. And then there was obviously one more tier for defensemen. It was franchise D-men. Guys were worth 8.9 to infinite. But obviously, Dougie just misses out there. Yeah, yeah. Dougie's so, close. But... Yeah, Dougie yeah. fits that if you cut off like the last year or two of his contract. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then for forwards, we have no top line forwards. Guys who are worth 6.6 .6 to 8.4. But we do have four classifies franchise forwards guys who are worth about 3.9.3 million to 14.1 million <laughs> net rating from 11.5 to infinity uh jack hughes nico heischer timo meyer jesper bratt jack is worth 14.3 million nico's Jesus. worth eight this is by the model value 14.3 for jack 11.5 for nico 9.5 for timo and 9.4 for jesper jack's an a plus nico's an a plus timo's a b Brats and A minus. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald, best GM in the league. Yeah, Tom should be considered the best GM in the league just for those four contracts. It doesn't matter what the fuck else he does, um, even the Pilat contract. Um, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot to say here. We all kind of know all four of those are steals. Um, Timo is the yep. most fair one. Um, I don't think anyone really disputes that. But even then, he's pretty undervalued. Um, at almost a million dollars lower than what his contract is, or higher than what his contract is. Um, he could have easily gotten 10 yeah. in free agency. Yeah. Um, that's the unique unique style he brings that teams... I, I mean, Matty Kachuk, basically this one playoffs alone, probably would have earned Timo another mil or two in free agency just because teams are now dying to get a top-line power forward that can yep. do everything like that. And we got him at 8.8. So, yeah, uh, agreed. I, what is there to say about these contracts that hasn't already been said? They're all absolute steals. The, I'll generate a little bit of discussion here around it. So I think we all agree Jax is the biggest steal, mm -hmm. not just on the team, but, like, league-wide. 
if not league-wide, at least top three in the league. Well, actually, yeah. to touch on that, thank you for reminding me, and I kind of reminded myself, Jack's contract has $44.3 million worth of surplus value <laughs> with a plus EV probability percentage of 94%, obviously graded at an A+. Plus. Yeah. Um, we kind of so, we kind of benefited from his first year year two being a little rough, the transition yep. from the National League program to the NHL. Um, Tom took a chance. The chance was obviously well calculated because everyone could see the raw talent. Yeah. And then him signing a year before he blew up was obviously just like icing on the cake. Yeah, I mean, you you said we you know we kind of lucked out on him shitting the bed his first two seasons, but we also kind of lucked out on Tom recognizing that hey i need to sign this guy now before right. it becomes a problem a later to, this also ties into him being a really good gym he yeah. took into consideration the analytics department and we all know that it's a huge part of how the devils operate which is how good teams stay good for long like yeah. carolina you gotta listen to your analytics department and he very clearly did with these top four guys right oh my question was gonna be we know jack's the best steal mm-hmm. Um, well, I, oh, let me say this. Do we have any more final comments on those four guys? Jack's the biggest deal. Nico's contract has aged beautifully. Yep. Uh, Timo's closest in fair value, but still great. And Brett definitely took a bit of a pay cut to stay here. Yep. Um, and I just want to say, I know lots of people thought that Brett was on the move, but if you listen to any of his interviews, or, I, I, there was just no way this guy was leaving. There was no that's, part, that's also a testament to like the locker room, like these core four guys, like they're so close together and there's such like a togetherness. Like even like the fourth line guys in Cloud and Bastion, like they're best friends with Jack. Like again, it, it means something that these guys are all yeah. like together. For sure. Now yeah. my big question then would be Jack's the biggest steal. Who's number two? Nico. Yeah. Yeah, Nico. Nico. Plus seventeen point one million dollars worth of value. I wasn't sure if you guys went against the models. Not even looking at the models, I just agree. Yeah, uh, you know, I'd say, I'd he does for, everything. To, to go does. against to go against the model, I'm going to say Brad. I think Brad's still severely underrated across the league, even though there's lots of contention with him across the fan base, just because of the lack of effort or whatever they want to say with like the Carolina series of him blocking that shot and whatnot. But the guy is unbelievable. Like, plays like he can move the puck like anybody he has a I, i've said it a couple of times a really underrated shot should probably yeah. use it more can play the defense is maybe one of the best skaters in the league i'm sure if you put him on the pk he could probably play pk too he played there early in his career um i mean he comes in at 12.4 million dollars with the surplus value that's again pr- i mean that's the, pretty damn good sure right exactly it's not like it's nothing to sneeze at but like right. i think i like those types of players a lot more so i think he's pretty Good. Yeah. Good. Um, I guess the last thing I kind of want to touch on before we wrap up um, is our ELC contracts. Um, yep. Thank you. Where yep. do you guys? Obviously, Mercer's played two years with us now, and he's going to get his contract extension within the next 365 days. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you see his contract? Like, what, what do you see a fair contract for for Mercer? That- that is some hive mind stuff there, JP. Literally, what I was gonna try and move <laughs> us to was that literally going, "Hey, let's talk ELC." You like you're like, yo, yep, yep, yep. And what's what's Mercer's next contract? Like literally, okay. So, <laughs> I think we will look to probably. I think he'll get a slight bridge, not because the team wants to do that fully i think they'll be okay with it but i think mercer will bet on himself and i also think that will heavily have to do with does holtz make the team or not right i think whether he's signed in season or off season Mm -hmm. i think if holtz doesn't make the team i think tom is going to push to get mercer signed sooner i think if holtz does make the team i could see tom wanting to wait the full season Re- yeah. Reason being, Dawson Mercer being top six, and top producing, nine. versus Dawson Mercer being top nine. I don't right. think Alex Holtz could do anything the next season to push Holtz out of there, or to push Mercer out of there, though. I disagree. Yeah, I think he you could. Think so? Yeah, really. I think if he comes in and snipes, um, they put him next to to Hughes and Brat, and then slide Mercer down to third line. Center. I guess in terms of like the flexibility of Mercer, because he can kind of play anywhere. I guess that makes yeah. sense, but I think that. Mercer is, he's that Swiss Army knife, and he can score a lot of goals too. Yeah, he scored. He just scored twenty-seven last year. I mean, he's going to be pushing for thirty again this year. Oh, 
I also absolutely could see Mercer doing the Siegenthaler route, the Jack Hughes calling the team right. out, the take a shave, take a shave for the boys. Uh, I mean, my, I mean, he's just a good Newfoundland boy. He's right. a good Newfoundland boy. He's yeah, going to take, he's, he's going to take that shave. Extend, exactly. Yeah. So I'm not worried about Mercer's contract handcuffing us or anything at all. So. Yeah. I don't, no, I don't but... think he's going to handcuff us. Handcuff us. Um, if I had to make a prediction, I also think he's going to get a bridge deal. I'm going to say four years at five mil. I was going to say like four years, five and a half. Yeah, something four, like that. Four it's... years leaves him last year of RFA, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if he got a bridge, I agree. It'd be, he'd get the four um, because, yeah, no, 100%. He'll get the four. I agree. If, yeah. if it is the bridge, it will be four years because that will be... Nico would already gotten his new contract, yep. Marino's contract, uh, and Siegenthaler's contract will have fallen off at that point. Uh, it's very clear Tom is very big on structuring when his contracts end with other deals. As it be, yeah. So, oh, yeah, no, if he's bridged four years, sounds right on point. I yeah. Um, just kind of wrapping up on Mercer, I think his current market value, according to The Athletic, is just under $8 million. Um, just to put it in perspective for listeners, um, he's going to get underpaid. Yeah, Mercer's gonna yep. be one of those guys where he's gonna be making it's gonna be crazy surplus value because of what he brings to the table. Yeah, and exactly. I think Tom will. I think Tom's gonna push for that like, super long extension as he probably should to get him at maybe to bring him the AAV again, like we alluded to earlier with like giving guys extra years and whatever. It's a different situation because Mercer's younger, but giving him an eight-year deal, maybe like five point five, five point seven or something like that, yeah. to just bring him down to save the extra couple million mm -hmm. on the next four-year the first four years of his second contract if he did bridge yeah uh and then i guess the the last two um what i'm obviously we have no way to gauge this but what do you guys think hughes luke hughes and alex Holtz will be worth next year uh i actually think you're also missing somebody else but i'll touch on him in a sec so holtz actually has another year of our our elc after this so I, it's so hard to say what his next contract would look like based on he hasn't done much at the NHL level quite yet. Right. He was a stud in the AHL, and he could walk up here and legitimately pop 30-plus goals, or he could waffle again. He's also still waiver-exempt, so he's not someone that has to stick up here. He could go back down. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's just too hard. Like Legitimately, it, there is such variance in where Holtz could be. Uh, Luke, I think we'll get an eight-year out of his ELC. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I, I, what exactly that number is going to be, I think will depend on the cap. But he's probably going to be our second most paid defenseman. Yeah, I, I could see him being second oh, most paid, paid or even... Uh, like actually, you know what? Part. I'll go hotter. I'll go hotter. He's paid less than Jack. That's <laughs> spicy. That's really... That's, so yeah, this uh, this will probably, admittedly, age very poorly, purely from a cap percentage. Just the cap's going to go up so much when his uh, he's RFA. I mean, Jack makes eight right now. You think Luke's going to make more than eight million dollars in two years time? Yes. Really? Yes. Yeah. Jack I think signed, he'll be worth. Jack I think he'll be worth more than eight. Yeah, Jack signed for eight in his last year of his ELC. Um. And but it's no. the steal of the NHL. So I, I think... legitimately, purely from a, um, I, I think he'll make less. I just, I have a feeling. I could see him legitimately getting seven point nine 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 nine. That would be so I guess, awesome. Yeah. So just, just, I, just to be under Jack. I just brought him up since. Or, or eight million and a dollar. Mm. So I brought this player up because. He is a defenseman also who just got recently paid a couple of years ago and put up a ton of points. Uh, Kale McCarr kind of took the same route Luke did. Or I guess Luke took the same route as him during oh. the first series ELC. And then he had two years in the NHL um, before obviously he signed his extension. He had 50 points, in 50 points in 57 games and was a point a game, 44 and 44. So he had 94 points in about 111 games. Do you think uh, he's, do you think Luke's gonna have the same opportunity to do that though? That's the thing. No, if, no, no, not not this year, next year. That's why I think he's gonna come in just under. But he might bridge. I, I think it's all just does he steal the power play one from Dougie? I just don't see it really uh, happening. Yeah. which is why no, I think not Luke... this year. I think it happens next year. I think I said that on an earlier show. I think Luke steals it next year, not this. I've got. I want to speed run this a little bit. Uh, yep. We skipped Kevin Ball. Uh, he's on. Yeah, Kevin Ball. Uh, 
1.05 oh. no, for two years, still an RFA at the end of it. Uh, I, great value. Um, just be, I think it's a bit more value than he's shown currently on the ice, and I think it's still a great deal because he'll be worth that and more over yeah. those two years. I agree. Uh, he's probably, probably going to grow into that bottom five second pairing penalty kill guy. Other uh, ELC guy, Nolan Foot. I don't think there's very much to predict there. It's yeah. who knows. Uh, and the last one, the one that I was like, I, I wanted to touch on because he does get a contract next year. That's Schmidt. And this is where I want to end. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think Schmidt potentially looks like next year? I think it depends. I mean, this is the top out. It depends what he does this year. I think. I don't know if it's a hot take. I think he does take the starting role by the end of the year because I think he's just better than Vitek. And I think he's going to... I don't know if he's going to be as good as he was last year, but if he gets more run, he's going to... Correct me if I'm wrong. Two more years, he can get a two-year deal and be an RFA at the end of it. He is 23, maybe... Yeah, so I think he gets a two-year deal, no matter what, no matter how great he plays this season. I think it'll be like two two years, two million, something like that. I was going to say two years. I was going to say two years, three... Uh, possibly two point five, that. just based on uh, how much opportunity, like how much ice he gets. Right. Does he steal the starter he's... role? Does he playoff stud again? That type of stuff. But even if he crushes playoffs, let's say he even came in and you know, let's say we won the cup with them, right? I mean, you're still talking yeah, what an, an, an Aiden Hill contract at best. It's four point eight, right? which was four point nine. So uh, Aiden Hill's also older, and that wasn't an RFA deal. That that's a right, that UFA one. UFA. Yeah. So you're probably still talking two years, three, still three something. I think even I if think you want to come, right? Because VTech when we traded for him, he was kind of a platoon goalie in Washington, and it was three years, three point four, which is like ten point two million dollars worth of value. You want to shave off a couple million, give Schmidt like again like two years, three years, like two point five million. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's That's already right. he's already one of the best backup goalies in the league. Like you see, you saw it last year, he can probably push for the starting job this year. He's going to get a ton of chances because. They'll give him chances. I think they just they'll, they'll give they'll, they'll give him chances, chance. and I do think they push for another goalie. I don't know how good they'll be um, to to run a three goalie system. So we'll see. But I yeah, I think one, I five. think he spends this year in Utica. Um, he could exactly. maybe until yeah. the playoffs. Um, yeah. But he I would I, again. It's it's a cop out, like Andrew said, but it it really does depend on whether or not he sta- steals the starting role next year. Um, which I think he probably will do. Um, so I, I could definitely two years. Um, I would say anywhere between two and a half to three and a half million. Sure. Yep. Yep. I'm right there. Yeah. Um, so to bow tie it, outside of the slight overpay that Palat is, we basically think we have either value or steal of contracts essentially across the board. Yep. Pretty much. Which is why why we could have a lineup of. Timo Meyer, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, Tyler Toffoli, Dougie Hamilton, John Marino, Jonas Singethaler, uh, and more. And more. So. Yeah. All right, yeah. boys. Yeah, this team's stacked. Let's go win a cup. All right. Tyler Toffoli is the best player in the NHL. Andre Pallott is the best playoff player in the, the Devils organization currently. Oh.